praise the name of the Lord Jesus. As we're about to begin tonight, I want us to turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, we'll pick up from verse um, 12. Tonight, we're going to be looking on the topic, how to handle persecution and suffering. How do we handle persecution and suffering? And before we begin to read, there is a, a myth. That the blessed individual, some believe that you hear it preaching, people in pre who are preaching, they will say things as if a believer does not necessarily have to go through persecution or when bad things like persecution and suffering begin to happen in the life of a believer and then something is wrong and there's something wrong with his relationship with Christ hopefully none of us here believes that but just in case perhaps one is questioning whether that is true or not, uh, we're just going to go right into the word of God to see if the Lord has a word in the book for us. An answer to those who are in doubt. So, if we look On Matthew chapter 26, and let's look on the life of Christ. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, this is Jesus Christ. He being Jesus Christ. Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. If it be possible, if there's a chance that I don't have to go to the cross, let this cup pass from me the cup of suffering. 
nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. In the book of Acts, chapter 22, chapter 2 and verse 22, Jesus died, he was resurrected, and he ascended on high. Now, when the Holy Ghost was given, and after the questions were asked by those who were attending the feast, wanting to find out what was happening to the 120 believers, um, Peter, in his explanation, began to preach to them. And Acts 2 and verse 22 tells us now, he men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. You saw him. You took note of the miracles. You experienced the signs. Now I want to let you know which God did by him in the midst of you as he yourselves also know. There's something significant that Peter is going to say. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. What, what is Peter telling us? Peter is telling us that the counsel, the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God willed that Christ should suffer at the hands and be killed at the hands of these wicked men. So it's not by chance. God allowed it. God willed it. And now someone may say, that is Jesus Christ. Uh, let's look at Acts chapter 9. And we read earlier for those of us who have, have time and probably you're, you're, you're not aware of the person who we're going to talk about. We can read some earlier chapters coming over into chapter 9 to understand who this individual is. We're going to be talking about Paul. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. This is the same Saul that was persecuting the saints. Same Saul who was pulling them, dragging them out of their homes, ordered them to be flogged. Same one who was 
heading down Damascus Road and the Lord met him and he fell from his uh, beast or his donkey, whatever you may call it. Verse 12 tells us, and had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. The, the disciple of the Lord is aware of the evil things that this man Saul had done to the saints in Jerusalem. Meaning that the saints had suffered persecution at his hand or by his hand, by his under his authority. And so then Ananias verse 14 rather, and here he had authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. He's given authority to bind all that's calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Ananias, I know this is the same Saul that, that has persecuted the saints in Jerusalem and was on his way down the Damascus Road. But I have met him, Ananias. Don't be afraid. Go thy way. For he, I have chosen him to be a vessel to the Gentiles, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. I want us to uh, take note of that. That, 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 that the Lord says, Ananias, don't worry, I have chosen him. And he'll bear my name before the Gentiles, before um, kings and the children of Israel. I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Telling us, brothers and sisters, that God will allow a believer to suffer for his name's sake. He will allow us to suffer, to be persecuted for his name's sake. One will enter the kingdom of God through much suffering. Now, to the text, First Peter Let's get back there. First Peter chapter 3. We'll look from verse 12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. 
eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Those who do right, he's watching. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And before we begin to think about how much we are suffering or being persecuted or in the future will suffer. We should have an awareness that the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Number one, his eyes is watching over us. That means he's he's seen what the believer or the righteous person is experiencing. Number two, his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. In essence, as Peter is now going to speak about suffering, this verse allows us to understand that as followers of Christ, we stand up for him. And we're eager to suffer for righteousness. Peter says, now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for, for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. I'll just read the passage. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. And if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. But he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death. But he was raised to life in the spirit. Now, as we talk about suffering for righteousness. 
standing up for Christ. Suffering for righteousness. Because Peter tells us in verse 13 when we look at it now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good. This gives us an idea of a person a follower of Christ who wants to do good. He has a zeal. That's number one. How do we handle persecution? A follower of Jesus Christ must be zealous of good works. Doesn't matter what's happening in this life. We're standing up for righteousness sake. He's zealous for good works. Zealous for doing what is good. Doesn't matter what the end result is. That's what the the follower of Jesus Christ. He's eager to do good. Brothers and sisters, this is now a, a genuine believer. Because there are some folks who have a careless attitude towards doing good. It doesn't matter to them what doesn't matter to them if they practice what is good or not. And there are some who will only do good in the sight of others. They believe in doing good when it matters. But if they have some selfish desire and good cuts against that selfish desire, they will abandon doing good to satisfy themselves. But then there are persons who have a zealous attitude. They want to please Jesus Christ. And they want to remain in a a relationship, a pleasing relationship with Christ Jesus. And so they practice what is good. And so... Peter says, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you. God will reward the person that does good and suffers. So, in a world now, as we look on the system of the world and the coming of the Lord is so close. The end of all things is coming. Now the pressure is coming up against the believer. And doing good sometimes will allow us 
to suffer. Doing good will at times place us at odds with our co-workers, with friends, with family, in society. But the person who suffers, the person who stands up for Christ, the person who is zealous, will handle persecution. Will stand in the hour of testing. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 to 6 says, Let your conversation, your behavior, be without covetousness. And be content with such things as he have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. He's zealous for doing good. And he knows that the Lord said, I will not leave thee, nor forsake thee. The Lord is my helper. And I will not be afraid what man shall do to me. God will work out all things. God will work all things out for good for such an individual. Romans 8 and verse 22, 28 rather. And we know that all things Work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Doing good and suffering. God will provide all the necessities of life. For such a person. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. Zealous to do what is right. What is good. And the scripture tells us, and all these things shall be added unto you. God will give him a very special spirit of glory to rest upon him. First Peter 4 and verse 14. The man who does what is right, the man who does what is good. If he be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are he. For the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. Second Corinthians 4 and verse 11. The life of Christ will be manifested in his flesh. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. And God will give him a great reward. There is a reward for those who do good. Blessed are he when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. Matthew 5, 11 to 12. 
for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. In 2 Timothy 2 and 12. If we suffer, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And a very comforting promise. Second Timothy 4 and verse 18. The man who does good. The Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. To whom be glory forever and ever. What a promise. Peter says, if you're doing, if you suffer for doing what is right, there is a reward. Don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Here is a another instruction from, from the Apostle Peter. Those who are suffering we're hearing the threats and it's becoming very real and very real for some individuals at this time. The threats. If you don't do as you're told, then you risk such and such. These are threatening languages, threatening remarks. But hear what Peter says, don't worry or be afraid of their threats. God does not want the believer to worry. It doesn't matter what the, uh, the, the persecution, what, whatever form it may take. Maybe mocking you, ridiculing you, threatening uh, your ability to work Some folks, perhaps we are not experiencing it right now, but some folks may be threatened to be placed in prison for calling upon the name of the Lord. Uh, we are not to be afraid of their threats. Fear is not a part of the process. Why? Because God is with us. And there's the fact that he is with us, brothers and sisters, he will strengthen us to bear the persecution. Isaiah 41 verse 13, Isaiah says, For I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. I, the Lord, thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. Matthew chapter 10 in verse 32. 
but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear he not, therefore, he are, more, are of more value than many sparrows. His eyes are upon the righteous. He does not want us to be afraid. So again, how, how to conquer, how to handle persecution and suffering. Firstly, Peter tells us, be zealous. Good works. Seek to do right. Secondly, set. Instead of worrying, instead of being afraid, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. That means we must be dedicated. Speaks of dedication. Setting our heart upon Christ. Not just Christ, but Christ as Lord of our lives. That means he is the one who is in control. That means now denial of self has taken place and we are in submission. We're living a life of submission to Christ. We, are sur- we have surrendered our entire life. We have one master He is Lord. It's Jesus Christ. We have made him Lord over our lives. So now, Peter said, instead of worrying or being afraid of their threats, worship Christ as Lord of your life. A believer must be dedicated. His his life must be dedicated to Christ. That means accepting the will of God. Allowing what God wants for us. Agreeing with it. Whatever your will. Songwriter says sweet will of God. Even when it seems to to be a bit painful. Sweet will of God. That's what I want. I want to be a true soldier. I want to stand at my post. That means the believer's heart must be filled with Christ. We understand that his only hope, his hope for salvation has everything to do with Christ. And because of that, he dedicates his entire life to Christ. Seeing that he is hopeful, is living in hope. that He is going to be a recipient of this great salvation. Galatians 2 and verse 20.
I am crucified with Christ. That's the language of every believer. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Even though I'm dead, I'm alive. Yet not I, seeing that self, is surrendered. It's handed over. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. So dedication, when we talk about a life of dedication, is a life dedicated to the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. Christ did not come terrorize us it was love that was manifested to this world and if I believe in him I dedicate my life to love he said the son of God who loved me and the expression of his love was to give his life for me. That means he died for me. That's how he expressed his love to me. So I'm going to dedicate my life to him. And as we handle we handle persecution, suffering through dedication if we flip-flop and we live a life that's not totally surrendered to the Lord, then the pressure is going to break us. But the more we stand up or we're zealous for good works, for righteousness, and living a life that's dedicated to the Lord, persecution, the suffering, it won't break us. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. James 1 verse 12. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that love him. eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, but his face is against those who do evil. Second Peter 2 and verse 9 tell us, the Lord knoweth 
He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now, Peter says, worship God. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. In other words, when you, when you recognize that he's Lord of your life, he's the one who's controlling our life. If I face persecution, suffering, whatever it may be, threats, My life is not my own. It's Christ now that's living in me. And if that's, if that's the, the, the route that he has taken me, it means he has given me what it takes to go through. He says, if someone asks, someone asks about your hope as a believer, Always be ready to explain it. Handle persecution. Handle suffering with witnessing. Be ready to talk about the hope that you have. Be ready to talk about this great salvation that you're experiencing. But note, he says... When you talk about being ready, it means, brothers and sisters, any opportunity that we have, we should not miss it. Witnessing should be, become a part of our lifestyle. But he says in his word, do this in a gentle and respectful way. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Meaning, how we present Christ, we should present Jesus Christ with much grace. Don't present ourselves that self-righteous attitude but make sure that when we have an opportunity when we're given an opportunity to share make sure that we present Jesus Christ and him only says be gentle and respectful when we speak about Christ one of the way one of the attitudes that we need to 
and develop when we talk about the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to others, we're to ensure that we feel that level of compassion for the soul who needs Christ. Sometimes we can finish talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and a person may feel much farther away from having any hope than being brought nearer to Christ. Keep your conscience clear. Keep your conscience clear. And if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what good life you live because you belong to Christ. Keeping, having a clear conscience. And the only way that we can, can have a clear conscience is, is by having a good conduct. Ensuring that our lives are lived out according to the will of God. That we're not just saying that we are followers of Christ and not doing what he says. Because when we have a clear conscience and someone speaks out against us, it becomes noise. Because you know deep within that's not who you are. Your conscience sets you free. But if it is that what people are saying has any truth in it, then right away we have failed. So Peter now, Peter is talking, brothers and sisters, let us let us remember this. He's talking to people who are going through persecution. He says, make sure your conscience is clear. Because people will speak against you. But after a while, they will be ashamed. Because the life that you live will prove that you belong to Christ. Doesn't matter what they say now. Continue living for Christ. After a while, they will be ashamed because the life that you live, you prove that you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants. If that is what he wills for you, to suffer because you're doing good. Well, it's better that you're suffering for doing good than to suffer for doing wrong. Better to suffer for doing good than to suffer for doing wrong. And a believer should never be in a place where he's suffering for wrongdoing. It's better. To suffer for doing good 
He says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all. Christ suffered for our sins once for all. He never sinned, but he died for our sin, for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. And uh, the next thing, brothers and sisters, that we have to understand and how we handle the pain, the suffering, the persecution is to understand the death and the triumph of Jesus Christ. He suffered for our sins once for all. He never sinned. Christ never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Hello, somebody. We must understand uh, the suffering that Christ went through. The pain, the agony, the death, what it means for the life of a believer. Not only dying, but the triumph, being victorious, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this will speak, brothers and sisters, to our hope. If Christ died, if he suffered, even though he, he, he did not sin, but he died for sinners, and he was buried, and he, he was resurrected from the dead. Now, my salvation is alive. Tells me that my suffering is just for a season. And like Christ who died, there's hope for me. Even if I face death in persecution. Because one of these days, like Christ, I will be resurrected. One of these days, I'm going to be, I'm going to inherit salvation. Let's look at First Peter 5. We're coming. Five and verse seven. Hear what? I messed this passage of scripture because I want us to understand that every experience that we have as believers has a season, has a time limit. Peter tells us. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So, even though it might seem lonely, others are experiencing it too. And I believe the 
it is becoming much more clearer in these last days. Verse 10 says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, Peter says, a little while. In God's kindness, we are called to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after we have suffered a little while, he will restore. He will support. And he will strengthen us. And he will place us on a firm foundation. So even the suffering, even the persecution has an end. Now, it is true that some will die in the midst of suffering. Some of us may may die in faith. But it's still going to be a little while that God is going to restore support. If we're dead, there's going to be a resurrection. There's going to be a change. There's going to be a quickening. Those tombs are going to burst open. Mortality will put on immortality. Shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Somebody say, I'm afraid of death. But Paul says, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Peter says, in a little while. In a little while. He will place us on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. All power to him forever. Amen. For the eyes of the Lord is upon the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers, to the cry of the righteous. His face is against them. All them that do evil. Hallelujah. But tonight we give God thanks. And because we are overcomers. He has given us what it takes. To go through. To handle persecution and suffering. We handle it brothers and sisters. With a righteous zeal. A zeal. To do good works. Seal for righteousness. With a life of dedication. 
witnessing about Christ and a clear conscience. The understanding the death and triumph of Christ Jesus. One of these days, one of these days, it will soon be over. One of these days, he will put in his appearance. Let us continue. Let us be determined in our mind, in our spirit, to live for Jesus. Those of us who are we're wavering in our mind, wavering in our spirit. It's high time for us to awake from our sleep. Have a clear mind, a focused mind upon Christ. Worship Him as Lord over our lives. The more we are dedicated to him. The more we worship, the more we praise, is the more we feel the strength, is the more we feel like going on, is the more we feel, hallelujah, hallelujah, his closeness. Let's unmute our microphones. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we'll be praying tonight, Be not dismayed, but hear the cost. God will take care of us. Hallelujah. He will take care. Brothers and sisters, he has given us everything that it takes to live an overcoming life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us begin to pray.